minutes late. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's share to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Sivan, Baruch Meir and Rina Dumin for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in the Schuss of Rafur Shalima for their niece, Chava Tzipora Bas Chayim Malka. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, she together with Kol Chol so will have a complete and enduring Rafur. But with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Tzadik Tes 99, and we are picking up at the Mishnah, excuse me, on Tzadik Ches Amud Beis 98b. So the Mishnah, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, about 15 lines up from the bottom. An interesting case. Chomish Noshim Shinis Arvu Vlado Sehen. So you have five women whose children got mixed up at birth. Now, just to give you a bit more context over here, take a look at Rashi. Shines Arvu Vlado Sein Zuchorin. So you have five women who had five boys. And again, at the hospital, these five boys got mixed up. So we know that these five boys belong to these five families. What don't we know? Specifically, which boy belongs to which family? Now, in addition to that, Rashi says, now, every family also has another son that's definitively their son, for which there's no ambiguity, there was no mix-up. Okay, so now what happened? So the, we'll call it the mixed-up sons, that's what we'll call them, right? The mixed-up sons grew up, and they got married, and now what happens? And now they passed away. They passed away. So now, what's the problem over here? Now, the case over here is where they will call the mix-up brothers went ahead and, they're, well, they're not brothers themselves. In other words, these five boys who belong to these five families, but for, who, for whom there's ambiguity, who belongs to which family? So they went ahead and they, they grew up, they got married, they passed away without children. So now, what's the problem? The problem is each of them has a brother. We just don't know what. We don't know what. Whose brother is whose? So what do you do in a situation like this? So this is actually very interesting. So our ba'al chultz in la'achas. So we'll say essentially what we do is four, four brothers go ahead and do chalitza with each of these women. And what happens? Ultimately again, and then the, we'll call it the last brother has the ability to do yibum. Because interestingly enough, by the time we go ahead and we get to the last brother, one of two possibilities, which is, if any of the previous brothers, if any of the previous, we'll call any of the previous brothers, were the actual brother of the deceased, then by now they've done chalitza. And halacha lamaisa, this woman now is permitted to marry this last man. And if for some reason none of them were the brothers who did chalitza, and the last one is the brother, then what? He's doing yibum and he's fine. So the Gemara says, similarly again, hu ushlosha cholzen la'achos, so and this is what we do for each of these women in question. So you have four of the brothers do chalisa, and the last brother does yibum. Now, Bose, when we say the last brother does yibum, what does that actually mean? The last brother can do yibum, right? It doesn't have to do yibum, but meaning the last brother can do yibum. Nimsa arba chalitzos v'yibum l'chol achos v'achos. Therefore, it turns out that each of the women in question over here will have chalitza four times and yibum one time. Good. That's the case, says the Gemara. Now, the order over here is very important. It has to be that halitza comes first and then yibum. In other words, the order is specific. That first there are four brothers who will go out and do halitza, and the last brother then has the ability to do yibum. 
but ultimately, again, you can't start with Yibum. Why not? The Gemara says, Because the possibility is, if the first brother were to do Yibum, and he is not the surviving brother of this, this so-called surviving brother-in-law of this particular widow, then it turns out that he's marrying a woman who is subject to Yibum. And of course, that's problematic. The only way to obviate that is to first have her do Chalitza with, every, with four out of the five, and then the fifth has the possibility for Yibum. So the Gemara says, So I'll say, what does it mean when it says he and three other brothers do Chalitza? Technically speaking, what you could do is you could do this same setup and have the same brother do Yibum with all four women, right? Or all five women. In other words, technically speaking, you could have, right, brother one, two, three, and four, go ahead and do Chalitza, and brother five goes ahead and does Yibum. And you could use the same four brothers for Chalitza and the same fifth brother for Yibum in all the situations. And one man will end up marrying five women, to which the Gemara says, we don't want that. We don't want one man doing Yibum with all five women. Rather, what we prefer ultimately, again, is for each of the brothers to perform one act of Yibum. Now, why is that? The Gemara says, Because the advantage of having one brother, right? If each one of the five brothers perform one act of Yibum is why? Is why? Because maybe it'll turn out that the woman he's marrying is actually his sister-in-law. As opposed to if you have one man do all five acts of Yibum, then what? Then halach so what do we know for sure? What do we know for sure? At most, one of them is his actual Yibama, but four of them are not. This way, if each of the brothers is doing an act of Yibum, excuse me, there's at least some statistical probability that each brother is actually performing a mitzvah. Incredible. Mikzasan achin u mikzasan she'en achin. So I will say some variations of the case. So let's say again, some of them are brothers and some of them are not brothers. So I will say, if you take a look at Rashi over here, Rashi says, Mikzasan achin u mikzasan she'en achin. Rashi says over here, Mikzasan shelvadoin. Actually, let's let's read the rest. So sorry. The ones who are brothers do chalitza, and the ones who aren't brothers do yibum. Now, what does that mean? I will say, in other words, that this whole halacha is only by brothers. What does this mean to say? I will say first white line on the bottom. So my This is what it means to say. Oh, so let's say again in this group, you have two different groupings of brothers. Some of them, one part of the group are paternal brothers, and one part of the group are maternal brothers. So achin min ha'eim cholzen, the maternal brothers will do chalitza, the achin min ha'av miyad min, and ultimately again, the paternal brothers will do yibum. I both say this is talking about in the mix-up case over here. So let's say again, the it's not a homogeneous group. So if you have part of them being paternal brothers, part of them being maternal brothers, but again, remember the problem is we don't know whose brother is who, have the maternal brothers do the chalitza, and the paternal brothers do the yibum. Interest, another interesting case, mikzasen kohanim, mikzasen shenu kohanim. Let's say part of the group are kohanim, part of the group are not kohanim. So kohanim cholzen, 
the Kohanim do Chalitza, She'en Kohanim Yabmin, and the non-Kohanim do Yibum. So I will say so again, the Gemara goes right there. So, and remember, the reason for that is because why? Because Yibum is only done after you've done four Chalitzas. Remember again, the process with each of these women is four Chalitzas and then a Yibum. So the problem just is, if the Kohanim are going to do the Yibum, so if it's not his Yivama, he's marrying a woman who had Chalitza. Now, is a coin allowed to marry a woman who had Chalitza? Midda yes. Midda no, because we, we give her a, a status of a quasi-grusha. So the Gemara goes weiter. What happens if part of the group are Kohanim and part of them are maternal brothers? So Elu Elu Cholzin Miyadmin. In all of these cases, both both of these brothers or this entire group will do Chalitza and no one will do Yibum. Because again, we're nervous to allow Yibum in this situation for the Kohanim, lest it lest he end up doing Yibum with a woman who's not his sister-in-law, and he married a woman who therefore had Chalitza, and Achen Mina'e maternal brothers, because maybe there's no din of Yibum at all. Good. Tanrabana was a top of Sadik Tas. Some interesting cases over here. Tanrabanan. Yesh cholitz li'imo misafek, la'achoso misafek, libito misafek. Rebbe say sometimes you could have a situation of a man who does chalitza with his mother out of safek. Now, what this means is as follows. Yeah, well, it kind of sounds, it is what it sounds like. Right? In other words, he does chalitza. Again, you'll see, you'll see how it plays out in just a moment. Right? Ultimately, again, does chalitza with his mother from safek. Or, or really what it means is, well, we'll see. Lachos misafek or libito misafek. What's the case? Here we go. Keitzat imo. Keitzat. So the Gemara says, what, what's, what's, what, what's the case? Imo v'isha acheres. So we'll say, imagine for the following situation. You have Ruvain, right? Ruvain. So Ruvain's mother and another woman. Velahin shnei zecharim. They each have, to right, they each have a son. Vichaz ruviyaldu shnei zecharim b'machbah. And now we'll call it, and now mother, we'll call her emo, and another woman give birth. So they each have a son. Then I will say they're in hiding. They're in hiding. And they each give birth to another son in hiding. But what happened? What happened? There's ambiguity about the, when the two boys who were born in hiding, there's confusion about who belongs to who. Who belongs to who? And what happened? Uba and I will say, what ends up happening? Let 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 let's keep this easy for just a moment. Let let's call them Rachel and Leah, right? So Rachel and Leah each have a son. Each have a son, Ruvain and Shimon. Okay. So now what happens? Those are their definitive sons. Now Rachel and Leah are in hiding, and in hiding they give birth to another two boys, right? Another two boys. The problem we'll call them A and B. The problem just is that we're not sure who belongs to who. So what happened? Now Ruvain ends up marrying Leah, and Shimon ends up marrying Rachel. No problem with that, right? Because they're unrelated. The two women, Rachel and Leah, are not related. Rachel right, has a son, Ruvain. Leah has a son, Shimon. Each son ends up marrying the other woman. Totally permitted. Totally permitted. Here is the problem. So the Gemara says. Umesu below banim, and what ends up what ends up happening? Ruvain and Shimon die without children. Die without children. So I will say, remember again. Now what do you have? You have these two other boys born in captivity. Now I'm sorry, not in captivity, in hiding, right? But what's the problem? What's the problem? We're not sure 
who's Reuven's brother and who's Shimon's brother. So what ends up happening? What ends up happening? So I will say, so Zecholitz Lishtehen, Vezecholitz Lishtehen. So what's going to end up happening? So brother number one will end up doing Chalitza with Rachel and Leah. And brother number two ends up doing Chalitza with Rachel and Leah. So I will say, what does that show? Zecholitz Lishtehen, Vezecholitz Lishtehen. Nimtza, so I will say, it turns out, that's what? Each brother, each one of these brothers, ends up doing chalitza with his own mother out of suffolk, right? Potentially he's doing chalitza with his own mother. Fascinating case, fascinating case. So la achoso misafek, I will say, what's the case of achoso misafek? So I'll say this is a case of two women, right? Two women who go ahead and give birth to girls in hiding. So I'll say, so what happens? Their brothers, right? Brothers, not from the same mother, go ahead and come and marry these girls. And they die without children. So what has Talacha? Each of the surviving brothers is going to have to do Chalitza with each of these two girls. And there's the possibility that they're their sisters. That's the case where you can end up doing Chalitza with your own sister, Misafek. Okay. What's the case of one's daughter, Misafek? What's that case? So the Gemara says, Ishto v'isha acheres. So we'll say, so what happens? Here's the situation. Let's say a person's wife and another woman end up going ahead and giving birth to two girls in hiding. And ultimately, again, in this case, we'll say, means the brothers of the father. The brothers of the father come along and marry these girls. Vinasum. Umesu Bulobanim, and ultimately they die without children. Ze Cholates Lebito Misafek, Vize Cholates Lebito Misafek. So I will say, in this case, you can have a situation where each of these men end up doing Chalitza with their own daughters out of Safek. Okay, we'll say just fascinating cases. So Tanya, Hayer Rabbi Meir Omer. So it's another very fascinating case. So here we go. So sometimes you can have the following scenario. A man and woman could have children from literally five different nationalities. Now what it means is in one relationship, you could have children with five different designations. Watch. You could have Yisrael, who purchased an Eved and a Shivcha from the marketplace. So I will say these are these right, these are non-Jewish, non-Jewish servants. He purchases non-Jewish servants in the marketplace. And ultimately, again, this Eved and Shivcha, they have two sons. They have two sons. And I will say, if I'll point out over here, Rashi says it's Rashi all the way on the bottom by the intermediate lines, Ultimately, again, in, in this case over here, the children were not included in the sale. So in other words, well, actually, I, well, let's see. So the, let's see, why, watch this again. So the evidence Shivcha have two sons, and one, uh, and one of them converted. It turns out that one of them is a ger, and one of them is an Ovid Kochavim. Okay, hit Bilon. If now the man goes ahead and what? 
he immerses his Eved and his Shifcha, L'Shem Avdus, right? And so now again, they're official Avadim, V'Nizkeku Zelozeh, and ultimately again, they have relation, they have a child, Hare Kan Ger, V'Oved Kochavim, V'Eved. So I'll say, so now I've got a Ger, an Oved Kochavim, and an Eved. Shichra Esa Shifcha Ubalel, if you emancipate the maidservant and then have relations with her, so Ubal, I'm sorry, Ubal Bala Eved, and the Eved has relations with her. Harekan Ger, Oved Kochavim, Eved Umamzer. Now, both say, where did the Mamzer come from? Right? Because we're going to see ultimately this reflects the opinion that when a Jew has a child with a Shifcha, ultimately again, or I should say, an Eved has relations with a Jewish woman, that that, that, that offspring is a mamzer. We'll see that in just a moment. Sheikh Rashneen, the Sion Zelaza, if you emancipated both of them and then they married, so Harekan Ger, Ovid Kochavim, Eved Umamzer the Israel. Okay, so we'll say again, just all the different all the different offspring coming from this union. So the Gemara says, So what, what is it coming to teach us? So we'll say the novelty here is what I just mentioned. Oved kochavim ve'ever habla bas Yisrael havlad mamzer. So the novelty over here, I'll say, is in that last piece, which is that an oved kochavim and an eved who have relations with the Yisrael, ultimately the offspring is a mamzer. That's the novelty in this case. Okay, Tanarabana, let's go weiter. Yesh, this is a fascinating case. Yesh mocher es oviv lahagbos imok suvasa. You could have a case of a guy who sells his father in order to pay off his mother's ksuva. Okay, watch this. Ketzad, Yisrael lakach eved v'shivcha min ha-shuk. A Yisrael bought an eved and a shivcha from the marketplace. And what happened? Velahem ben. They had a son. They had a son. Now Rashi points out over here, Velahem ben, velokanas ben. The son was not included in the sale. So he purchased an eved and a shivcha, they had a son before, a son was not included in the sale. Okay, now watch this. And then the master emancipates, emancipates the shifcha. And what happens? Vinasa. And he goes ahead and marries her. So we'll say, so, so just so just to illustrate this over here. So right, so Reuven goes ahead and purchases an Eved and a Shifcha from the marketplace. Okay? They had Eved and Shifcha had a son. Had a son. We'll call him Bob. Right, so Bob, so what happens now? Ruvain emancipates the Shivcha. He goes and he marries her. Okay, remember, once he emancipates her, what's her status? What's her status? She's a Yisraelis. So now he goes ahead and marries her. Watch this. Then I will say, interestingly enough, what does Ruvain do? Ruvain leaves all of his property to his wife's son. Now remember again, who is his wife's son? Who is his wife's son? Right? So again, Bob. Bob, right, the non-Jewish kid is his wife's, is his wife's son. So now Ruvain is leaving all of his property to Bob. Watch this. So now watch this. If Ruvain dies, now all of the property is left to who? Is left to Bob. Now Bob has an obligation to pay out his mother's ksuva. Guess who's part of the property of the estate to go in and pay his mother's ksuva? His unemancipated father, right? His unemancipated father. Remember again, Bob's father 
is Ebed, right? So ultimately, again, you could have a situation where Halacha Lamaisa, a son, is selling his father. So Bob is selling his Eved father to go ahead and pay for his Jewish mother's ksuva. Okay, just pointing it out. So the Gemara says, My Kamash Malan. Okay, what is this coming to teach us? So the Gemara says, Kul Rabbi Meirhi, Va'avda Metaltali, Umetaltali Mishtabdi Liksuva. So I will say, could be teaching us a very important lesson, which is that this reflects the view of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that Avodim, are considered to be movable property, and movable property is encumbered to the ksuva. So that could be what we're coming to learn over here. The Bible is saying the other possibility is no, or no, an Eved in fact is not metaltalin, but rather an Eved has the status of karka, and that's why ultimately, again, it's meshubah to the estate. Okay, I will say, the point of all of these, what's the point of all of this? I will say, it's just to show you again, these cases, although obviously they're far-fetched, are wonderful ways for the Gemara to go ahead and teach us how certain principles and concepts in, kind of intersect with each other. Good. But say Mishnah. Mishnah. Ha'isha shenis arev vlada bevlad kalasa. So an interesting case here. What happens if you have a situation of a woman whose, whose child gets mixed up with the child of her daughter-in-law? Okay. Higdilu... So what happens? So we'll say, so what happens? So now let's say they grew up, they grow up, right? So the, then we'll call it the mixed up kids, right? The Taruvos grow up, and they got married, and now they die without children. So what's Talachon? So ultimately, again, the sons of the, right, the son, the son of the daughter-in-law, Go ahead and do chalitza and not yibum, right? Shuhu safek eishes achiv, safek eishes achi aviv. So ultimately, you know what I'm saying? So again, these are just the, it's the same principles. So ultimately, again, in this case, the son of the, the son of the kala, the son of the daughter-in-law. So this is the definitive son of the daughter-in-law. Ultimately does chalitza and not yibum. Why? Because halacha lamaisa, the widow, is safek eshes achiv. The widow might be the wife of his brother, but she also might be safek eshes achi aviv. She might also be, the pos- other possibility is that she is the wife of the father's brother. So b'nei the son of the, we'll call it the son of the mother, right? The son of the mother, not the daughter alone, but the son of the mother. So b'nei they could either do chalitza or yibam. Why? Because the two possibilities that they have is either this woman is the wife of the brother or ultimately, again, the wife of the son of the brother. Okay? What happens if ultimately, again, we'll call them the ksherim. Now, both say the ksherim in this case means the brothers who are not mixed up, right? The children who are not mixed up, the children whose paternity is known. So what's the halacha? So the Gemara's Meisvak Sherim, Hata'aruvos libnei zekena cholzim v'lo miyamin. So the children whose identity is not fully known. So for the, for the, Hata'aruvos libnei zekena cholzim v'lo miyamin. They do chalitza, not yibam, why? Mishu safek eishes achiv ve'eishes achi aviv. Ultimately, again, because they are, this is a case of Safek Eishes Achiv. Maybe it's my brother's wife, and maybe it's the wife, ultimately, of the father's brother. What about to the sons of the Kala, the daughter-in-law? Sorry, the, the widows of the daughter-in-law. I'm sorry, the sons of the daughter-in-law. 
echad cholitz ve'echad miyadim. Ultimately, one does chalitza and one does yibum. Okay? So I will say, so fine, good. Now we move on to a separate case, separate category. Kohenis shenis arif vlada bivlad shivchasa. So I will say now, over here, we're continuing in the case of kind of, of, of mixed, mixed up at birth, but a different ramification at this point. Up until now, we've been focusing on Yibum and Chalitza. Here, we're now shifting gears a little bit. So here you have a Kohenes. Excuse me. Kohenes, Shenis Arva, Shenis Ariv, Vlada, Bivlat Shivchasa. So here I have a case of a Kohenes. Right, so I will say, so this is, this is either the daughter of a Kohen, well, a woman married to a Kohen, which is called a Kohenes. Right, so she has a Shivcha. She has a Shivcha. Now remember again, Shivcha, non-Jewish servant. They're living together in the house. Now remember again, I will say, what's the halacha? Uh, uh, who, who's in, in a Kohanic home, everyone who is either related to the Kohen or owned by the Kohen is permitted to eat Shruma. That's the halacha. So in this case over here, Kohanes and her shivcha give birth at the same time. And what? Their children are mixed up. So we don't know. We don't know which child belongs to the Kohanes, which child belongs to the shivcha. So what's that? Now, also, here's the interesting part. Everyone is allowed to eat truma, right? Why is everybody allowed to eat truma? Because if you're the son of the Kohen, the Kohanes, then you're a Kohen. And if you're the son of the shivcha, then what? Then you're a son of a shivcha. Either way, you're permitted to eat shuma. To it, v'chol kinchelik echad begoren. Now we'll see exactly what this means. Halacha lemaisa, and it sounds like what it means is they receive one portion of truma in the granary. We'll see exactly what that means in the Gemara. Amud beis ve'enon mitamin lemaisin. Then I both say, remember again, both of, neither of these boys are permitted to become tamei lemais. Right? Can't become. Can't, can't come in contact with the corpse. Why not? Why not? Because we're not sure which one is the coin and which one is the Eved. So because both could, because what, because we don't know who's the coin, therefore neither of them could go and become Tame. Ve'enon nosin noshim bank sheros bank psulos. Then I will say, what's the other problem? These boys can't get married. Why can't they get married? Why can't they get married? Because we don't know who is the Eved and who is the coin. So who are they going to marry? Right? An Eved is only permitted to marry a Shivcha. Cohen can't marry a Shivcha. So who, who are they? So therefore, they can't marry. Higdilu atarubos. So this is interesting. But here's, here's the remedy. When these boys, we'll call it the mixed up sons, right? The mixed up sons, when they grow up, v'shichriru ze'ezeh. So I will say, what do they do? Something very interesting. They emancipate one another, right? So they free each other. Because we know one of them is the Kohen, one of them is the Eved. We just don't know who is who. So they're going, they're Meshachra, they free one another. So what's that? Lach v'shecheru ze'ezeh, sonosim noshim haru'uyos lekahuna. And we'll say at that point, then we allow them to marry, but they could only marry women who are technically fit to go ahead and marry a Kohen. Ve'ena metam lemesim, and they still continue on an ongoing, ongoing basis. They cannot become Tamei Tomas Meis, because at the end of the day, remember again, we don't know who's the Kohen and who's the Eved. And if they become Tamei, we don't give them Malchus. We don't give them Malchus, because again, you don't really know who's the Kohen, who's not the Kohen, so you can't punish for an infraction that may or may not have been committed. And again, throughout their lives, they can't eat truma. Because I will say, one of them is a coin, one of them is not a coin. 
The one who's the coin is entitled to eat. The one who's not the coin is not entitled to eat. But because you don't know who is who, therefore they can't eat truma. They machlu. But if they did eat truma, so interestingly enough, if they end up eating truma, they don't have to pay karen and chomesh, principal and a penalty fifth. But that's normally what happens if, you, if, you eat, if a non-coin eats truma. They both say, why don't they have to pay it? Because essentially, again, maybe he's a coin. Maybe he's a coin, so he can't extract money misafek. All right. If one of these guys shows up at the granary to collect a portion of truma, we will not give it to him. The Gemara says, So what could they do with their truma? They could sell their truma. So now let's say again, these, one of these guys separates out truma. See, so he can't eat it, but what can he do it? He could sell it and he's allowed to keep the money. He's allowed to keep the money. Then I both say, now the reason he's allowed to keep the money is because of the concept of hamotzi mechavira alav harayo. In other words, so tell me, tell me I'm not a, prove to me I'm not a coin and I'll give you the money. Okay, so I can't teach you I understand, but if I sell it, I can go in and keep the money. Vein cholkin mikdash. They do not split in what we call kodsheham mikdash. Look at Rash for just a moment. Vein cholkin mekodsheham mikdash kigon oros kodshim. So remember again, I will say, when a coin is serving in the base Hamikdash and he offers up a karban, he gets to, the Kohanim get to keep the hides. And any coin whose who's mishmar, right, whose shift it is, gets to share in the hides. The, obviously, neither of these individuals could claim their share of the Kodshim Mikdash. They nosnin lohem Kodshim, we don't give them Kodshim. They motzin shalohem miyadehem. But Allah if they have kachim, we can't extract their kachim from their hands. Take a look at Rashi. What does that mean? Vein mosi and shalom yadam. Look at Rashi. Im hayu chayav and chatos o asham o ola ain kofin osan lesitin la anshe mishmar v'lios avodasam ba'arla anshe mishmar. And I will say it's actually very interesting. We know Kohanim were split up into twenty-four mishmoros, right? Twenty-four groups. And each group served in the Beis HaMikdash for approximately one week a year. When it was your Mishmar, right? What was the chap? When it was your Mishmar, you got to offer up all of the Karbanos. What's the, what's the perk in offering up all of the Karbanos? So besides the fact that it's a schus to do the Avoda, you also get the meat and what? And the hides. And the hides. It's all yours. So I will say there's one exception to this. A Kohen always has a right to offer up his own Karbanos. So let's say again, I'm a Kohen, and it's not my week, it's not my shift. A Kohen always has rights in his own karbanos. He does not have to give over his karban to the, to the, to the shift that's on call. So the Gemara says, that's what it means when it says, the Mishnah says, Emotzin shalahem miyadehem. So let's say one of these guys, now remember again, I will say, could, these, could one of these guys offer up a karban? Could they offer up a karban? No. No. In other words, they, in other words they, when, when, let, let, me, no, let me clarify, you're right. They, they, you could offer a carbon. I mean, physically, can they walk into the base Hamikdash and do the avoda? And the answer, of course, is no. Because remember again, who are we talking about over here? We're talking about these are the two guys who are born to the Kohenes and Shivcha. We don't know who is who. We don't know who is who. So of course, they, they can't come in and actually like do the avoda. But at the same time, we can't force them to give over their carbon to the Kohanim who are on call. So what they have the right is they have the right to select who they're going to give that carbon to in order to have that particular coin offer it.
Okay. Ultimately, again, neither of these guys have to separate out Zroah and Lechaim. Remember, again, the, uh, the chest, right? And the foreleg, which is, which is normally, again, the portion that you're obligated to go ahead and give to the Kohen. So you can't, again, I will say, what you begin to see over here is that when it comes to Matnos Kahuna, so ultimately you can't extract that from them, right? Because Halacha Lamaisa, again, they can always claim, I'm a Kohen. I'm a coin. They can make the coin. Therefore, you can't extract it. From the stomach. What about their firstborn animal? So normally you give over the firstborn animal to the coin. What happens in this case? You allow the animal to graze until it becomes blemished. And in general, again, I will say what you see is what do you do with these two men? What do you do with them? You give them the chumras of kahuna and the Chumras of Yisrael. And again, what exactly that means, Emir Hashem, we are going to see. Sorry, just making sure. Okay, so good. So, we'll say, so again, so just to be clear, it's actually a pretty straightforward case. So remember again, what you have over here is these, the Kohanes and the Shifcha giving birth to two boys. What happens? What happened? We just don't know who belongs to who. So essentially what the Gemara says is you have to treat, the Mishnah says, excuse me, you have to treat them with the Chumras of both being a Kohen and a non-Kohen. Now again, remember, when they're young, it's more problematic. When they get older, the first step is they emancipate one another. So at least we know now we're not dealing with an Eved and a Kohen. What are we dealing with? What are we dealing with? A Yisrael and a coin. But nevertheless, again, the mission just tells me how I leverage all of my Kohanic risk in this particular situation. Good. Says the Gemara. Well, so we're obviously, we're going to go through each of these cases in the Gemara. Mesuak Sherem. So we'll say, remember again, in the, in the previous part of the Mishnah, the Mishnah, once again, remember the Mishnah started out with the case of Haisha Shenis Arif Vlad Kalosa. A woman and her daughter-in-law ultimately again get their sons mixed up. So the Mishnah referred to as Ksherim. So the Gemara says, Elahanach Mishum Psulin. So I will say, I understand, if you call one group Ksherim, what does that make it sound like? That the other group are Psulim. Now they're not Psulim. They're not Psulim. What happened? There were two sets of brothers. One set of brothers that we know definitively who they belong to, and another set of brothers that we're not sure. So why do you call what? So Elahanach Mishum Deiruv Havelu Psulin? Take out the word Ksherim and replace it with what? Vadoin. That there are, two, there are two groupings of brothers. There are brothers who are Vadoin. Vadoin means that we know definitively who their mother is. And then there's another group, ultimately, again, of the mixed up group. Okay? So, Dafka Michlots Vahadir Yibumi. In any of these cases where you have to go through Chalitza and then the last brother could do Yipum, the order is very specific. It always has to first be Chalitza and then Yibum afterwards. Because if you start with Yibum, you run the risk that what? That if it's not the actual brother who's marrying this woman, he's marrying a woman who really is subject to Yibum. So therefore, again, you take care of that by first doing Chalitza. You exhaust your Chalitza options. And then after you exhaust your Chalitza options, then Yibum becomes permitted. Good, Vaiter. So remember again, the Mishnah said, so now we're, we're focusing on the last case over here. So remember, in the last case in the Mishnah, we spoke about a, Kohanic, a Kohanes and a Shivcha. They both give birth to sons. 
their sons get mixed up. Their sons get mixed up. So remember again, what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said, Cholkin chelek echad bagoren. Literally, they get one portion. These two women get one portion at the granary. So it says the Gemara, what does this mean? So the Gemara says, Chilek echad pshita. Now obviously they only get one portion, Rabbi say because why? Because why? Because technically speaking, techni- actually look at Rashi. Rashi says, no, not yet, sorry. So chilek echad pshita. Ema chilek keechad. Rather, what it means is they get their portion as one. What does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Chilek keechad. In both name alagoren, if both of them came to the granary to collect truma, so no snin, no snin lahem. We give to them, right? We give to them. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We're only going to give them truma if they show up together. If they show up independently, we're not going to give them truma. Now finish that, Rashi. The kasavar. This is fascinating. We're going to see now that there is an opinion that holds that you cannot distribute truma. Now, okay, let's take a step back. An Eved is permitted to eat truma, okay? Even though an Eved is permitted to eat truma, there is a school of thought that says you only give truma to an Eved in the presence of his master. Why? What are we concerned about? Because if you go ahead and you distribute truma to an Eved, people could get confused and they could assume that the reason the Eved is getting truma is why? Is why? Because he's a Kohen. Because he's a Kohen. The only way to obviate that concern is to always make sure that you're giving truma to the Eved in the presence of his master. That way people know, oh, this is the Kohen, this is the Eved. So the Gemara says over here, interestingly enough, in this case, where you have the mix-up of the sons, we're only going to distribute to the Kohanes and to the Shifcha when they are together. When they are together, to which the Gemara says, Pshita So say the Mishnah is coming to teach us that we that we hold of the opinion that says you only distribute truma to an Eved if the Eved is in the presence of his master. And again, the reason for that is. We don't want anyone to erroneously think that what? That halacha the Eved is really a Kohen. Disanya, ain't cholkin trumali Eved, ele imkin rabo imo. Because we learned that you can't go ahead and distribute truma to an Eved. Unless, of course, the master is there. Diver Rabbi Huda. These are the words of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Yossi Omer Yachol. Rabbi Yossi says, yes, you can. You could distribute truma even to an Eved, not in the presence of a Kohen. Why? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yossi Omer. Um, I'm sorry, because Rabbi Yossi also the Eved can say, listen, either way, give me my truma. If I'm a Kohen, right? If I'm a Kohen, give me that truma. If, if I'm an Eved, give me my truma. So Rabbi Yossi also that Eved could go ahead and collect truma, ultimately even not in the presence of his master. Then I both say, what is at the root of this dispute? Watch this. So the Gemara says, "Bimkomos Rabbi Yehuda, hayumalin mitrumal yuchsin." Bimkomos Rabbi Yosi, lo hayumalin mitrumal yuchsin. So I both say, ah, here, here it comes. Here, here, here is the issue. What's the concern? The concern is that if we allow you to go ahead and eat truma, isn't that potentially a stempel, right? A stamp of approval, a seal of approval on your yichus? 
So say in, in the locale of Rabbi Yehuda, they would assume that if somebody was consuming truma, that, as, that, that, that was like a seal of approval on their yichus as a Kohen. Therefore, again, if you do that, it's dangerous to give truma to the Eved not in the presence of his master. Why? Because if people see that Eved eating truma and they don't know him, the default assumption is what? What is he? What is he? A Kohen. And now you run the risk of an Eved going ahead and masquerading as a Kohen. That's why Rabbi Huda holds that Allah the only way to distribute truma to an Eved is in the presence of his master. The Gemara just pointed out, Rabbi Huda says that because in Rabbi Huda's locale, they would go ahead and they, they would go and establish yichus based on truma consumption. However, but in the locale of Rabbi Yossi, they would not go ahead and establish yichus based on truma consumption. And therefore what? And therefore, in the locale of Rabbi Yossi, they would allow an Evet to receive truma even not in the presence of his master. So it says the Gimartan Yomra Balazar Bar Sadak was an interesting case. So Rabbi said, in general, I was careful to never go ahead and give Eidos. Give Eidos. One time I did, right? So one time I did, Rabbi Lazar says, and it was a disaster. Because of my Eidos, they made an Eved into a Kohen. What happened over here? So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Really? From Rebbe Lazar's, from Rebbe Lazar's statement, from Rebbe Lazar's Eidos, they made, and they made an Eved into a Kohen, to which the Gemara says, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't allow bad things to happen through the animals of Tzadikim, Sarebo said, this is talking about the donkey. Rashi points out of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer. The donkey would not eat untithed produce. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is careful, that we'll talk about that more tomorrow, Mir Hashem. But Lamais again, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is careful, that what? That ultimately bad things don't happen through the animals of Tzadikim. So of course nothing bad is going to happen through the Tzadik himself. So how could it be that through Rebbe Lazar, ultimately again he was going, he was going to go, he was potentially he was going to go ahead and cause an Eved to be regarded as a Kohen. To which the Gemara says, "Elaima bikshu lalos Eved up bikshu lalos Eved lekunapi." To which the Gemara says, "No, no, no. What happened over here is we'll see what's strange in just a moment." Rebbe Lazar says, "Based on something I did." They were ready to establish the identity of this coin, uh, sorry, of this Evet as a coin. What happened? So say, watch this. Here's what happened. Rabbi Lazar saw a man eating truma, saw a man eating truma, and this happened in the locale of Rabbiosi. Now I will say, remember again, Rabbiosi holds that what? That we do not establish Yichus based on truma consumption. Therefore, in the city of Rabbi Yossi, what happened? Again, you could give truma to an Eved, even not in the presence of his master. So, so this is what Rabbi Lozer sees. So, so, Rabbi, so Rabbi Lozer goes to the town of Rabbi Yossi, and in the town of Rabbi Yossi, he sees a guy eating truma. Sees a guy eating truma. And what happened? And he then went ahead and gave testimony about this in the city of Rabbi Yehuda. 
Then I both say, in the city of Rabbi Huda, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? In Rabbi Huda's city, they were ma'ala mitruma liyuchsin. So I both say, so you see what ended up happening over here? He saw a guy eating truma in the city of Rabbi Yossi. Now in the city of Rabbi Yossi, they do not establish yichos based on truma consumption. So therefore, they'll give truma even to an Eved not in the presence of his master. But then Rabbi Lazar went and testified about this guy in the city of Rabbi Huda. Well, in the city of Rabbi Huda, they, they will go ahead and what? They do establish yuchsin based on truma consumption. And therefore, again, Rabbi Lazar testified, I saw this guy eating truma. Oh, you saw him eating truma, so they were about to declare him as a coin. Ultimately, again, until they went ahead and did a little bit of fact-checking, and then realized, oh, you saw him eating truma in the locale of Rabbi Yossi, but in the locale of Rabbi Yossi, they allow an Eved to eat truma, even not in the presence of his master, because they don't establish yichus based on truma consumption. I both say, just in the, in the minutes we have left, just to talk about this in just a moment, the Gemara, the Gemara talks about this idea, of behemtom shal tzadikim, ein hakodesh baruch hu mevi takala al yadan. Right, that Hashem does not bring negative things. Right, averus. Ultimately, again, through the animals of tzadikim. And again, the proof is Rei Pinchas ben Yair, His animal would not eat untithed produce. Would not eat untithed produce. So I will say. So what's the pshat with that? What's the pshat that hakodesh baruch hu doesn't bring sinful or negative behavior? Through the animals of tzaddikim, so I saw, saw, saw a beautiful, sorry, saw a beautiful idea. But the Shemi Shmuel, Sakat Shabbareva, says something so beautiful. He says, when a person lives a life of kedusha, when a person lives a life of holiness, not only does that holiness permeate the self, but that holiness permeates everything that is associated with you as well. So a person lives a life of kedusha. The Kiddusha seeps into my family. The Kiddusha seeps into my friends. The Kiddusha seeps into my community. The Kiddusha seeps into my home. And the Kiddusha even permeates my livestock. To the point that when I lead a life of Kiddusha, even my livestock, even my animals become holy as well. That's the Pshat says the Bnei Yisachar, Behemton Sheld Sandikim, Eina Kodesh Baruch Hu Mevi Takala Al Yadan. That when, a, when you have a tzaddik, a person who strives to live a life of kedusha, that kedusha seeps into his livestock as well to the point that even the livestock doesn't want to engage in spirit or doesn't engage in spiritually negative behavior. See, I say the power of kedusha. We often think about just living a life of holiness as something that impacts me and me alone. But what we have to realize is that every step forward in our kedusha sends a beautiful and dramatic ripple effect to everyone and everything around us.